Off the ball. There's so many players, like someone like Martin Eddie might not even get in a look in. Brazil are going to win that World Cup, lads, and I think it's an absolute bank. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. We now know the World Cup draw for the women's team. The Republic of Ireland will play joint hosts Australia, Canada and Nigeria in Sydney, Perth and Brisbane next summer. We'll be chatting to manager Vera Pau, reacting to that draw from Auckland at about 1.40 on the show today. Football Saturday as always as well, between 3 and 5. David Connolly will join Dan McDonnell and Graham Gartland as we bring you all the latest discussion and score updates at the moment. Goalless between Nottingham Forest and Liverpool in the Premier League. So much to talk about this week. Chelsea versus Man U this evening. Ronaldo sulk. The sacking of Stephen Gerrard, Darwin Nunez and Arsenal's great form. We'll also hear from rower Fergus Farrell on today's show. 53106, folks. If you want to share your opinions with us when it comes to sport, anything you want to ask or give an opinion on, or if you have any questions that are well for our guests during the show, if, are you going to go to Australia next year? Have you got your credit union loan yet? You can also tweet us at Off The Ball. Don't forget, you can get all of our content, interviews, videos, podcasts, breaking news and plenty more on the OTB Sports app. Download that now for free in the App Store or in the Play Store. Let's start off the show as always with the news round. We're joined by Monaghan's finest, Shane Hannan and Offaly's finest, Will O'Callaghan. Lads, how is the form? Good afternoon, lads. How are afternoon. things? What do you make of the draw, folks? Excited. Very excited. To get the hosts in the opening game. July 20th is a lucky day for me, the anniversary of the moon landings. It's going to be a great one. It's going to be a crack. How long did it take? Less than a minute for the moon landings. <laughs> this is a Belgian Grand Prix reference going on. <laughs> I'm not going to bring that up. I, it was shoehorned in beautifully, Shane. Yeah, yeah. It's quickly, quickly done. Uh, Sydney, July 20th, that's, I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. If they can pick up you know, a win from Will me. Ireland reach a place that they've never reached before? Yeah. Like they, they certainly can beat Nigeria on the last game on July thirty first in Brisbane. One giant step for <laughs> one giant step, one giant step for Vera Pau. Absolutely, um, yeah. I'm excited. I'm so excited. And, and like, I never really thought about the draw in advance because I was like, just wait and see what happens because you could get anyone. But um, getting Australia, I think, is the pick of them because people, people talk about you. Could, you could have got New Zealand as well, but with the amount of Irish in Australia. It's um, it's perfect. Sydney on July twentieth against Australia, and then Canada July twenty sixth in Perth. Like they they will need to pick up something from one of those opening games to qualify, but they've beaten Australia in the last couple of years. They can do it. A slight Euro twenty twelve vibes from this for me, where people oh, okay. looked at the way that the group sat and went, you know, if the Republic of Ireland gets something against Croatia, then maybe Spain and Italy won't be motivated in the year <laughs> two fixtures, and Ireland can rock on in Poznan, which didn't quite happen. Mm. I think I'd agree with Shane in that I think the two top seeds you wanted to get were the non-European teams or the USA. So Australia and New Zealand were the teams you wanted, the co-hosts. Um, probably comes with a few caveats, the Republic of Ireland winning that friendly last year against Australia. Albeit, it seemed to be the springboard for the improved form during the World Cup qualifiers. It's definitely seen as a moment where Ireland couldn't buy a result before that friendly and then went on a really good run afterwards. I think Canada was the difficult one. They were probably the second seeds that you want to avoid. The Olympic champions, seventh in the world, ranked just outside some of those European teams. That's a very difficult draw. And then you get the best team in Africa in Nigeria. So it's not that you'd be writing the Republic of Ireland off at all before they play these three games. But I think it is a difficult group, albeit it would have been a lot worse if they were in that group with the USA and Holland. Yeah, kind of following it on Twitter and Emma Byrne just before the, the the fourth seed came out was like please not Nigeria please not Nigeria mm-hmm. and then Nigeria is pulled out and I was like, like my knowledge of the of the, the fourth seeds wouldn't be fantastic but um, she wanted to avoid Nigeria but then look 
I think it's the exciting. two to avoid there, Shane, in the fourth were Nigeria or potentially Portugal if they come through, which they should, this qualifier series yeah. that will be played beforehand because they'd be a difficult opponent as well. So we're, we're unlucky with probably our second seed and fourth seed, mm. but maybe lucky enough that from the Irish diaspora's point of view, there are a lot of Irish people in Perth, in Sydney and in Brisbane and they get to see all corners of Australia yeah. as part of the World Cup group stage. As well. In a Friday combi. Mm. <laughs> but it, lads, it's a lot of travelling. Like you've got Sydney. Well, it's it has to be flights. Yeah, six days later. For after Unless Sydney you're going from Sydney to Brisbane and cutting the second game out. Yeah, maybe. But Perth is obviously the. That's the tricky turnaround as well for the team, too, where you come off the back of the really emotional opening day fixture. Yeah. It's going to be, I think, the second game of the tournament because uh, New Zealand's match is going to be the first right, one in yeah, Auckland. Yeah. And then they'll play in the opening day. You've all that emotion and a really important fixture. And then it's going to be a case of, we're not sure where Ireland are going to be based yet. I don't think the FAI have made a decision on it just yet. They have to fly over to the West Coast to play in Perth. And then, depending on what happens after the Canada game, if they're still in contention, make their way up to Brisbane, mm. which is going to be you know hosting the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games very soon. So it's a special sports city yeah. to get to play the third game against Nigeria. Got to get something in the first game. If we can get something in the first game, we've got a chance. We're going to we win don't. the first game, John. What would be like... I don't know. That's USA '94. Yeah. 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 I'm getting. Yeah, I'm going I'm to get f- fully on board with this. Like, I don't know if there's any early houses. We obviously don't know the the kickoff times yet, but I'll be in the pub if I can. Well, New Zealand Norway will be the first game, and it's on the first day. But this won't be the first game, so you'd have to think this is going to be later in the day. That's good. So you'd is have to good? think that it would be. It would make sense for TV as well, John, if the New Zealand games, as in the games played in New Zealand as well as New Zealand fixtures, would be the first kickoff given yeah, the time differences yeah. each day. Two hours more. And the Perth game, particularly given that Perth is as far west as this tournament goes, might be slightly later. It might be more accommodating time for Irish eyes right. in yeah. Canada. That was the tricky part about the cricket yesterday in Hobart. It started so early. I was actually on the way to the office. Ah, News Talk Breakfast is great. Listening <laughs> to a little bit of, uh, I'll admit, I was cheating on John and News Talk Breakfast yesterday morning. I put on Test Mass Special ah. in the train on the way here. And uh, it was very nice to listen to Ireland just really calmly win with 15 balls to Was spare. there an Irish analyst on it? Uh, they were going over and back, yeah. So, look, they, they wished us well. You know, it was... Um, oh, and Morgan should be doing that now, sure, surely. Yeah, plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. It'd be, he, he's a, I'd say he has he has it he has it in for the punditry lads. That's that's not that's not get away from the women's here. Well, I'm just getting so excited. I like the 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 draw has got me on on um, when you know the teams you're playing now and you know the dates and soon enough we'll know the times as well. It just makes it more real. I think yeah. when when you saw the Irish flag on the on the on the TV with the other teams that are in, that are in the draw. All of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, we actually are in the World Cup." Yeah, so well, I can be simultaneously yeah. excited about this, and also Sorry, of course. Tuesday against Australia in Melbourne in yeah, the Super yeah. 12s of the T20 World Cup. <laughs> so, you know, July is a long way away. I can be excited now, and then you know, zone back in a bit closer exactly. to the World Cup. I'm more excited about Sri Lanka on Sunday and then Tuesday <laughs> against the English. So, I've been speaking to Vera Pau in Auckland, and uh, we'll hear from the full interview from, with Vera at about one forty. And interesting news coming out of the. Interview. Yeah, plenty of interesting news. Just uh, to, if anyone's just tuning in, Australia, Nigeria, and Canada in Group B for next summer's Women's World Cup. Ireland will kick off their campaign against the co-host Australia in Sydney on the twentieth of July. They'll take on the Olympic champions Canada in Perth six days later, July twenty sixth, before playing Nigeria in Brisbane on the thirty first of July. Manager Vera Pau says it'll be a special occasion to take on Australia on the opening day of the tournament. The opening game against Australia with such Irish background in Australia also the households will be divided who, uh, who do we support <laughs> and uh, I hope that all the others will be in their, in their heart also a little bit uh, fighting for us um, and yeah we will, we will be ready we don't fear anything and we just go for it As John said he was speaking to Vera Pau as, uh, this, as well this morning in Auckland there was some disappointing breaking news on the injury front have a listen 
Hopefully the injuries will clear up a bit, although Ellen Malloy and Jessica Ziu, um, they have a cushioned ligament injury and they will miss the World Cup. Unfortunately, two very promising players who have the creativity, what we are missing by times. And um, yeah, we, we will miss them and you cannot replace that. Yeah, it's terrible really for them, isn't it? This is October. Yeah, to know this early, um, it's it's a bit... It's, 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 I mean, it's, there's nothing that can replace that feeling for you because like, when will Ireland next get to World Cup or a major tournament? We don't know. Hopefully they'll qualify for the Euros a couple of years later. But um, to miss the first ever Women's World Cup, you look back, they look back in their careers and they'll have been in, the, in their prime. Uh, and for injury to strike them off is just, um, I, I can't imagine the feeling. It must be. I think very difficult for both players as well for slightly different reasons too in that Jess had gone over to play in the Women's Super League, was making a decent start to the season there. And next thing, her year has ended. And it looks like it's going to be a calendar year with the ACL injury. And Ella Malloy should be in the middle of a title race right now with Wexford Utes, where it looks like they're going to win their first title in five years. And she's such a key player for them. I think um, they would have had a much better chance of winning their cup semi-final a few weeks ago had she been available. She'd been right up there with uh, Emily Corbett and with Anya Gorman for top scorer in the league this season too. Mm. So very cruel that she had to miss the end of their campaign as well as... Now that horrible news of having to listen to the elation and the excitement of the draw and knowing that you're not going to be involved in the World Cup as a player next year is hard on both players. So Liverpool away to Nottingham Forest Indeed, in the yeah. early game. 42 minutes on the clock here at the City Ground. Nottingham Forest nil, Liverpool nil so far. Um, looks like a decent game. Um, Forest will be hoping to get something out of that because they're, they are still struggling at the moment. Uh, a lot of teams kind of fighting for points at that bottom end of the table and Liverpool as well. Um, well, I guess after City and West Ham, they're on top of the world now, Liverpool. So uh, they're going for three straight top flight wins in that lunchtime kickoff. Uh, but it remains scoreless just yeah. three minutes before half time. And Klopp's made a lot of changes. Milner in his captain today on the right side of defence. Uh, Robertson back on the left. Uh, Elliot, Jones, and Fabinho in a new look midfield with Carvalho, who retains the spot, and Salah and Firmino up front. No Nunez. Yeah. in the team two of the changes were enforced uh, two of their best players missing in Darwin Nunez and Thiago Alcantara Alcantara has an ear infection right. so apparently he couldn't sleep last night so they ruled him out just before uh, they were about to leave this morning and Darwin Nunez has got it, they're saying it's a precaution they say he picked up a knock midweek uh, scored a very good goal midweek as well and Jurgen Klopp said he wasn't risking him but he's hopefully will be fit for their last couple of games before the World Cup so I think it was just a case of not risking an aggravation with their striker by all accounts, Liverpool dominating possession, 73% of possession. Uh, well, they should be winning this game. They need to be winning this yeah. game. And they've had, they've had four corner kicks to, to Forrest. None, so uh, yeah, dominance. But uh, yeah, still goalless, uh, three minutes before half time. Elsewhere in the Premier League today, Manchester City aim to end the day just a point off the top of the Premier League with a win at home to Brighton. Everton look to avoid a fourth consecutive defeat when they host Crystal Palace. The late game at half past five sees fourth place Chelsea welcome a Manchester United side who are just a point behind them in the table. And after his midweek walkout, Cristiano Ronaldo won't be involved. United boss Eric Ten Hag says he had to act but doesn't want to lose one of his best players. You can't let it go because otherwise it's going to be miserable for the future. So then you have to, to take this measure, what I don't like, because you are right, I prefer the squad with Cristiano on board. Now, both of you have Manchester United affiliations. What do you think of all of this? Very, very impressed by Eric Ten Hag's press conference. Um, impressed generally by how he's dealt with it. Disgusted by Ronaldo. I mean, his Instagram uh, post was pathetic, to be honest. Like he's not, he's not really taking any responsibility. Um, and the fact that you know, the, one of the journalists asked Ten Hag straight out yesterday, did he refuse to come on? She said yes. And like I mean, he did it in the, in a preseason friendly against Rayo Vallecano. Sorry, not 
uh, refusing to come on but leaving the stadium at half time before the match had ended and I think Ronaldo, Ronaldo wasn't the only player who did it on that occasion and, and Ten Hag reprimanded those players and said Let, let's not let it happen again um, the fact that you refuse to come on in a, in a Premier League match uh, no, it doesn't matter whether it's the 10th minute or the 93rd minute you can't refuse to come on to the pitch you're a professional you're earning what I think he's on 360,000 starting a week Um and and he talks about being a role model and in his Instagram post he, he actually spoke about being a role model to the younger players and uh, and all this crap and yet how is that being a role model? I mean he's and look I was very much on Ronaldo's side in in, in a lot of things when it came to United and, and a lot of United fans would be uh, you know you kind of give him the benefit of the, of the doubt with a lot of lot of issues but um, with Ronaldo on this occasion. He's lost the room, and Ten Hag has uh, completely won it. He, he looks. It was a Ferguson move by Ten Hag because would Solskjaer Rangnick have had the the cojones to do that? I don't know, um, but it certainly has. It's it's going to work out in Ten Hag's favor because now maybe if United had lost the match the other night and and the, the mood of the fans wasn't uh, at a positive level, then it, it would be reacted to differently. But re- reality is, United are playing well at the minute. Ronaldo, when he's on the pitch and when he starts, the stats just aren't what they are when he's not on the pitch so he, he brings away from the team when he's playing as well granted he gets the odd big goal and, and the Everton goal was a lovely finish he still gets gets important winners in, in, in Europe perhaps but yeah he's uh, he's completely lost the room Ronaldo he, like, maybe he regrets it maybe he's going to be training with the kids and he'll come back uh, better for it and this is a learning lesson for him but I mean he's 37 years of age he, he, there's not much left to learn in the game for him um, so yeah disgusted by his actions and, and I think Ten Hag has has come out all the better for it. I think the key point is the timing of this. It comes off the back of probably Manchester United's best performance this season against Tottenham midweek. Mm-hmm. When Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't on the pitch, which put Eric Ten Hag automatically into a position of power when it came to the narrative around what Cristiano Ronaldo has done. Ronaldo has massively let himself down. Um, obviously, he feels slighted by the fact that he's not been brought on in recent games. I think it was very clear with the frustration that he could on the bench in the Manchester City game. And Ten Hag said that he you know, didn't want to have to send Ronaldo out there to be embarrassed while City were taking United apart. But since then, he's looked moody and he has given off that vibe when he knows that the cameras are going to be on him and when he knows his teammates are going to be watching his body language, even if you think that that's not important. He has not looked like a guy who particularly wants to be there at Manchester United right now. And the one thing you don't do, we look back at Tevez and Mancini in this situation too, you can't really tell your manager that you're not going to come on and really come back from it. Mm. Um, it's very difficult to rebuild that trust between yourself and your teammates and yourself and your manager. And even though Eric Ten Hag is doing everything possible to try and consolidate the situation to a certain extent where he was asked directly in the clip that you just played, you know, do you want Cristiano out of the club? And he says, no, he's a talented player. I still want him to be involved. But the reality is that even if it was the owners of the club who wanted to keep him, we can argue over the stories about how many clubs wanted to sign him during the summer or not. The fact is the club didn't sell him. Now they're in a very strong position, if you're Eric Ten Hag, to say, actually, I think for all parties it would be better if Cristiano Ronaldo left the club in January. And as well, he's going to disappear off now for the World Cup in a few weeks' time too. Yeah. So United have a bit of time if they do decide that they want to sell him. He, he's clearly a depreciating asset. There is maybe an argument to be said when they're a bit gun-shy in recent weeks and when their options aren't huge up front that you could maybe do the running for Cristiano Ronaldo with other players. But the evidence is pretty key that Manchester United play better for the best part when Cristiano Ronaldo is not starting. So unless he's willing to book up his ideas and become an impact sub, which I don't think suits him because he knows he's towards the end of his career, mm-hmm. it's hard to see how Cristiano Ronaldo has a future at United beyond January even, whatever about the end of next season. 
I mean, Ten Hag has seen this happen before. In 2018, Amin Yunez refused to come on for Ajax. Late in the game, they were winning 4-1. He had already agreed to join Napoli at the end of the season, so maybe his head wasn't in it. But you, I saw the clip on, of it yesterday, and you can quite clear, clearly hear Ten Hag shouting for him to come on. He just sits there. And, uh, I mean, Yunez never played for, for Ajax again. He was yeah, this is a reserves. bigger deal, though. This is oh, a completely. Like, this but, is... This is one of the best players ever played the game. Yeah, but so I mean, Ronaldo, so Ten Hag has had to raise a level in his own yeah. conviction. But he's had to and do he's it. Done that. Like, but Ten Hag doesn't mess around. Like there was incidents in pre-season as well, even in Perth at an open training session where he um, stuck the two fingers up to to one of his coaches who hadn't set up a, a drill right. This is in front of all the fans. He doesn't care. He falls out with people, and then the next day, apparently in in uh, Carrington. Acts as if nothing has happened. Well, that's the best way. That, that's it? the best way to do it. But like, he takes no prisoners, and uh, I think United fans will love him all the more for it. But uh, Ronaldo's going to learn the hard way. Like, will he play for United again? I, I think he will. Um, but I mean, he's probably frustrated that the, the World Cup is coming up. He he wants to get the game time in before he heads off with Portugal. Understandable, but refusing to come on is not is not the, the way to do it. And and from a uh, image point of view, he, he stood he stood behind. There was a couple of United subs coming on. Uh, I think Anthony Alanga was one of them the other night, and and you could see Ronaldo standing in in the background with like arms folded, just looking like a petulant child. And yeah. he was clearly standing in the eye. He knew where the cameras were pointed because there's subs coming on, so he made sure to stand there. And even the other night, uh, the Newcastle game, coming off shaking his head for about ten minutes. I mean, ridiculous. And whatever the body language about on the bench, and obviously this has been picked up, and he knows it's being discussed at the moment mm. too. Walking down the tunnel before the final whistle had gone sends out its own message from Cristiano's point of view. Yeah. Like he could easily have just sat there, had a bit of a laugh with his fellow subs at the end of the game, and walked in. Nobody's talking about this, but yeah. clearly the furore started because of the fact there was that image of Cristiano walking down, and some of the supporters looking a bit forlorn, just watching him walk down it's the tunnel, here, yeah. almost assuming that he has a knock or he's sick or something else. And then very quickly, obviously, the well, story comes it's, out. It's interesting because Richard Arnold and the Glazers are back ten hack. What happens if they didn't? What happens if they? Been in the middle of it, about it, it would have undermined Ten Hag. Yeah. Although I have to say, it was created one of the best memes of recent times with the Liz Truss. Liz Truss yeah, <laughs> the wig. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen it, Liz Truss, Liz Truss's hair essentially on Ronaldo was yeah, walks yeah, down the but top. also Truss on the back of the of the of the, uh, oh, of yes. the bib. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, brilliant. Just to carry on that argument a little bit though about if the Glazers hadn't backed yeah. Ten Hag over this, are you saying that they it would have to then be the owner saying you must play Cristiano Ronaldo? No, but it. it it, it it puts Ten Hag then under pressure that he doesn't need when he's trying to build something mm. and trying to build a philosophy and they played as well as they have had under him and there's going to be a big difference I'd say between the first match against Graham Potter which was the Brighton game at the start of the season and tonight against Chelsea it's a very hard game to call mm. and mm. Uh, I, I do think that it's obvious that Ronaldo uh, when he's not on the team you know how to play better without him I think Bruno Fernandes is a little less in a shell Rashford has got more pace and they're a team that presses really high. And I, I know too much of my chagrin that Spurs were just pressed very, very well the other night and they couldn't even uh, use their three-man midfield at all. So mm. um, Ten Hag needs to be worried about what's going on on the pitch 125%, not a soap opera with Cristiano Ronaldo, mm. by my view. Yeah, Half past five for that game, Chelsea against Manchester So, United. the hoops... Yeah, Shamrock Rovers, one hand on the SSE Artristi Premier Division trophy. Graham Burke scoring twice from the penalty spot as the Hoops won 4-1 at home to St. Pat's last night. The Saints had Anto Breslin sent off in the second half and also saw a Tunde Oalabi penalty saved with the score at 3-1 at that stage. Off the balls, Ashling O'Reilly spoke with Rovers boss Stephen Bradley after the game and he was full of praise for the man of the match, Rory Gaffney. And just to mention the man of the match as well, Rory Gaffney, time and time again, he does it for you. Yeah, he's... Uh... I'm going to be biased, but for me, he's, he's the best player in the country this year. I think he's he's 
hands down the player of the year for me, in my opinion. Um, I think he's been unplayable at times. Um, and tonight, I think he showed that again tonight. I thought his all-round game was was uh, really top class tonight. Yeah, he was brilliant. He's so dangerous going forward every time. And how proud are you, I suppose, at the moment? You're en route to a third successive league title. Yeah, it's uh, we're not there yet. We know that. We need to get over the line. Uh, but like I said, credit to the players. They're the ones that have had to deal with the schedule, the travel, the high quality of games, the hectic schedule. And they've just got on with it and just dealt with it. Blocked out the noise and, and focused on what we're doing. And uh, it's, uh, they've put us in a fantastic position. There was a bit of noise the last week or so saying that you might have been sluggish from Europe and you said it wasn't the case of this bit of a statement win here tonight. I think people react to results and we, we don't do that. You can't do that because if you do that, you lose sight of actually what's happening. And um, Who we play here in Mulder, I thought we were the better team. We should win the game. Um, draw it up there. I thought we were very good. We had 10 minutes that we came off it, but we were very good. So, you know, like I said, we don't react to results. Uh, it's about performances and the game plan. And... Uh, like I said, a lot of noise outside, everyone's waiting to have a, a little dig at you. But I suppose that comes with the territory and I thought the players handled really well tonight. Meanwhile, second place, Derry City can only manage a one-all draw at home to fellow cup finalists Shelburne. That all means if Derry fail to win at Sligo on Monday, then Rovers will be crowned champions. If they win, Rovers only need a draw from their game with Derry. Dundalk stay third, Keith Ward's injury time goal salvaging a three-all draw with Sligo Rovers at Oriel Park. Finn Harps remain bottom of the table after Declan McDade's late Bohemians goal. Med had finished 2-all between the sides at Daly Mount. UCD are in the playoff spots, having come from behind to win 2-1 at home to Drogheda. We now know the lineup for the first division playoffs after last night's final round of games. Waterford finished second after beating Athlone Town 4-2 and the Blues will play Treaty United over two legs. Galway drew 3-all with Longford last night and the sides will meet again in the playoffs. Champions Cork City finished their season with a 2-0 win at home to Bray Wanderers and Wexford season ended with a 2-0 win away to Treaty United. To matters in the Championship, Queen's Park Rangers are looking to open up a three-point lead at the top of the table when they welcome Wigan Athletic this afternoon. Blackburn will be aiming to keep pace at home to Birmingham City and the other games of the teams in the playoff places Burnley go to Sunderland and Sheffield United hope to end their five game winless run at home to fellow promotion chasers Norwich City Millwall will move into the top six with victory at home to Strugglers West Brom while at the other end bottom side Huddersfield are at Middlesbrough elsewhere Preston make the short journey to Blackpool that's the only game ongoing half time Blackpool won Preston North End won in that game Reading welcome Bristol City at three Rotherham face Hull City and Coventry are at Stoke Scottish Premiership news as well. Hibs missed the chance to ensure they'll end the weekend third in the table after VAR made its debut in the Scottish Premiership. The Edinburgh club let a lead slip in a 2-1 defeat at home to St Johnston yesterday with the technology involved in the opening two goals. Leader Celtic are hoping to open up hoping to open up a five-point gap at the top with a win at Hearts. That game is ongoing. Just uh, gone half-time. Hearts won. Celtic won. James Forrest giving Celtic the lead on 14 minutes. Uh, and just a few moments ago, Lawrence Shankland with a penalty for Hearts in the third minute of first half stoppage time uh, to bring Hearts level in that match. So one all. Uh, while Rangers uh, as well, sorry, it's not Rangers, Aberdeen could climb to third if they avoid defeat at home to Motherwell. Ross County have the chance to move off bottom at fellow strugglers Kilmarnock, while Dundee United might end the day at the foot of the table after their game at St Mirren. Rangers aiming to make it five straight wins in the league when they host Livingston. Four teams remain in contention to be crowned Women's National League champions ahead of today's penultimate round of games. Table toppers Wexford Youth, who are chasing a first title since 2018, are away to third-placed Piemount this evening. Reigning champions Shelburne are at home to Sligo, while fourth-placed Athlone Town host Galway. Elsewhere, DLR Waves play Treaty United and Bohemians go to Cork City. 
Five Irish boxers will be through the ropes for the finals of the European Women's Boxing Championships later. Kelly Harrington, Aoife O'Rourke, Amy Broadhurst, Caitlin Fryers and Tina Desmond are all in final action in Montenegro. Harrington is hoping to follow in the footsteps of Katie Taylor by winning gold medals at World, Olympic and European level. Did you see that extracts in that book? I think it's in the Irish Independent uh, with Kelly Harrington. I only got to read a few bits of it this morning. There's, uh, I think, two pieces serialised, which I saw online. I haven't actually picked up a physical copy of the yeah. paper. Is it good? Uh, it's just, um, you know, a little bit of criticism of Pete Taylor by Kelly Harrington in the book mm-hmm. about um, the fact that it was maybe all geared towards Katie in terms of the, the progress for Katie in the uh, in the in the sphere, as it were. Now Pete Taylor's come back on that as well in the in the Irish Independent, but it's definitely worth a read. I think she's done a book with Roddy Doyle. Mm. Yeah, so. it was there was the book extract that I saw in the paper. So interesting. I must have a look at the physical copy and go out. But it's amazing how we continue to produce lightweights who can potentially become rivals of each other in women's boxing at the moment. Um, I don't know whether Amy Broadhurst is going to box for Great Britain at the next Olympics. Um, she obviously has won a Commonwealth gold medal, but qualifies to box for Britain. Her much happier weight will be 60 kgs and Kelly Harrington, the defending champion, is standing there. So <laughs> Ireland right now have got two world champions at the same weight class. And again, Kelly Harrington had to wait in the shadows of Katie Taylor when they were rivals at the same weight as well. So I know from chatting to our colleague Ronan Mullen during the week, he thinks it's a, a genuine possibility that Broadhurst might actually declare for Team GB, not through a desire to necessarily box for Britain over Ireland, but because there is a roadblock in our way to potentially box at the next Olympics. Yeah. The Munster fans are in their cars and on the train. Yeah, e- uh, excited. Ex- <laughs> well, the ones who can afford the night's accommodation in, in Dublin are. I know, that's not a knock on Munster fans, by the way. I think tickets have gone to about Why do they fly? Well, it was about 40,000 this <laughs> time Airport. I, I just wonder, is it, is it that big an attraction um, for Munster fans to come up, given the team that was picked yesterday? I know if I was a Munster fan... The Munster team or the Leinster team? The Munster team. Because the Leinster uh, team is terrifying. The Leinster is pretty strong. The Munster team is... Uh, decimated by injuries and also a few um, second choice players who are playing in the team as well like this fixture has only gone one way for the last five or six years mm. it's uh, two wins in ten if Munster were to win tonight and one of those was in the Rainbow Cup so it's uh, been a very very bad run for Munster particularly in Dublin in recent years 5-3-1-6 Munster fans do you still have faith are you on your way to Dublin is it still a derby <laughs> it's still a rivalry I mean no we are, I'm not going to do that rivalry time <laughs> we think, I, th- I think it is I mean Alan Quinlan made the point yesterday it, it, it is because of the history it's a long long time though since Croke Park isn't it a long time yeah and look Aviva Stadium probably has, hasn't been a happy hunting ground for, for Munster in recent years but look they're hoping to beat Leinster for just the second time in 10 games as Will says when they renew these rivalries in the URC this evening Jack O'Donoghue will captain the Reds in Peter O'Mahony's absence while Jack Crowley starts at fullback, Johnny Sexton skippers Leinster from out half with Jason Jenkins named in the second row against his former side. Kickoff, as we said at the Viva Stadium, is at a quarter past five. Last night, Connacht collected their first bonus point win of the United Rugby Championship season. Mac Hansen scored two of their five tries in a 36 points to 14 win over the Scarlets at the Sports Ground in Galway. Earlier, three late tries put the gloss on the Vodacom Bulls, 44 points to 22 win away to Benetton, while one Durban hotel forced the postponement of two URC games yesterday. Ulster's game with the Sharks was off, as was Glasgow's meeting with the Emirates Lions. Both Ulster and Glasgow have contracted multiple cases of gastroenteritis. It looked like the Glasgow game was going to go on for a while, even after the Ulster game was off, which was the slightly bizarre one. And then eventually the decision made by the URC to call both fixtures, which is understandable, and given the awkwardness of the two teams being away in South Africa and now to try and refix this. Yeah, bit of a shambles. Yeah, I was just thinking as well about tonight. It's very interesting to see the two players at fullback because Ireland have got a bit of a depth issue at fullback right now. Mm. 
And you've got Jack Harley who played so well in the Emerging Ireland Tour at 10, now playing at 15 for the very first time for Munster. Like, what a fixture. Leinster at the Aviva for his first game there. And Kieran Frawley, who has been, you know, crying out to try and get game time at 10 for Leinster, plays at 15 there. Um, but at the same time, this may well be Jonathan Sexton's last home game against Munster. So yeah. it was very unlikely that he was going to miss the chance to start it out half. But I'm sure if you're Andy Farrell, you're thinking, I'd like to see these two guys play in 10. But maybe the Ireland coaching team actually wouldn't mind seeing the two of them at 15, um, perversely enough. Mm, I'd love to see a cracking match, regardless. Just coming up on my Twitter and the Racing Post, Cheltenham are charging £7.50 for a pint of Guinness. I saw, a, the, state, a, I saw the state of one of the, one of the pints yesterday. In a paper cup. Oh, I mean, people will still buy them, but that—that's an outrage. I would never that's buy Guinness. I never drink Guinness in England. You, you can see the top. I I'm wear. going tonight, and I'm not. I mean, I'm. I'm not. I won't be drinking Guinness right. tomorrow. I'll be probably drinking Beaver Ten Neck Oil or, uh, <laughs> okay. or ale. I, I, well, you see, the hoodie I've got on is a, is a Guinness. There's a Guinness symbol on it. Shtick. I'm all about the shtick. And what's, the, what's this in English? There, there's a guy. There's a guy on 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 YouTube who does uh, Guinness. Are you wearing reviews. Guinness Guru top? I am. I can't see it top. because of the laptop. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. people in the radio. Explain this for. Uh, there's a guy. There's a guy. There's plenty of people on on uh, on social media who, who do this, but there's one guy Guinness Guru. His name is Dara, I think, from yep. Ashburn, maybe. Um, he, he puts up videos, and look, people love him and hate him for different reasons. But uh, he's not—he doesn't class himself as an expert. But he goes around to different pubs, rating their their Guinness out of ten. Comes across it's some. It's a very entertaining. It's like the pub channel. spy for essentially a little yeah. bit. The only the only problem about him in a pub spy is that um, I hate to feel like you get into the band at ground level or something. But I remember watching him in the early days where people didn't know him when he was going into the pubs. I think one of the concerns now is because he's so well known, particularly for pubs that know they do their Guinness pretty well. Yeah. If he's coming in to test it out, I wonder how objective he can actually be about the points that he served because they probably make a special effort knowing that they're going to end up on YouTube. I have to say this this splits people because some people listening right now will be like, yeah, look, I'm all about the domage and the shtick and the temperature has to be right and the head has to be just the right size and if it's not, if it's, if it's, in, a, if it's in a Budweiser glass, I'll cry. And then there's other people going, just drink the fucking thing. It doesn't matter. Well, it's about how it tastes, to be honest. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, aesthetically... Now, like, the way it looks will probably tell you how it's going to taste. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know if you, you are you, you, you are Guinness man. Are you, are uh, you a Guinness will you Guinness man? Yeah, yeah. No, and I would agree. I think when you go into a pub, yeah. if the glass is, let's say, not particularly clean, if you know that the head is the wrong size, if it's the wrong colour, straight away you know the pint is going to be bad. If, if, if I get Guinness in a Smithwick's glass or something, or a Carlsberg glass, I, I'll probably will st- I will start to cry. I'd hand it back, back. legitimately. Yeah. Gone. Tulip yeah. glass is the only way that you can have Guinness. <laughs> yeah, no. the old style glasses yeah. are brilliant. Okay, wrap yeah. this up. Sorry, yes, we'll move on from the Guinness. Victory against uh, Michael Cechas Lebanon this afternoon would see Ireland qualify for the quarterfinals of the Rugby League World Cup, I should mention, while we're on rugby. There's a half past two kickoff for that Group C encounter in Lee. Uh, elsewhere, golf defending champion Rory McIlroy, two shots off the lead at the midway point of the CJ Cup. He's nine under par after shooting a second round of 67 in South Carolina, where John Ram and Kurt Kitayama are joint top of the leaderboard at 11 under par. Shane Lowry will tee off from seven under for today's third round with Seamus Power six under. Gaelic Games, the first round of the Leinster Club Football Championship gets underway tonight. Carlo Champions Palatine take on Wicklow Kingpins St. Patrick's. There's an 8pm throw-in at Netwatch Cullen Park. Formula 1, Lewis Hamilton will hope for more encouragement from the upgrade to his Mercedes when qualifying for the US F1 Grand Prix takes place tonight. He was third in the opening practice session before an 8th place finish in the second. Ferrari's Charles Leclerc set the pace in the last last run with world champion Max Verstappen 7th. The third practice starts this evening at 8pm our time while qualifying starts at 11pm so 
can put the feet up and watch that qualifying from 11pm tonight Snooker Mark Allen is in semi-final action tonight at the Northern Ireland Open the home favourite faces Neil Robertson having overcome three-time world champion Mark Williams in a, a big game last night 5-4 at the waterfront it finished classic of a match already underway is the first semi-final Anthony McGill against China's Zhao Yu Long while in racing a seven race card at Leopardstown today with the first off at 25-2 to two in two minutes Shane Allen, Willa Callan, thanks so much as always for the news round here on Off the Ball Saturday. Goalless between Nottingham Forest and Liverpool into the second half now at the City Ground. We'll keep you right up to date on that. Remember, folks, as you're binging on sport this weekend to pick out your best performance of the weekend, whether it's a player, manager, even the ref, tune into OTB's Instagram page tomorrow evening, Sunday. Leave your selection in the comments under our performance rankings post. If your selection matches our top pick live on Monday's OTB AM, you're with the chance then of winning a Gillette ProGlide Razor Skin Guard Shaving Gel and ProGlide Refill Blades Pack. That is the Gillette Labs. 